Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Jesus never follows expectations. He goes for the heart. That's one thing that I've noticed. Uh, almost after, after every single gospel lesson uh, this season, this summer, and uh, now this fall. And today's gospel lesson is, is no exception. A few men bring a paralyzed man to Jesus. Both Mark and uh, Luke's gospel, lesson, uh, gospel accounts let us know that, that the house where Jesus was was so packed with people that they couldn't get in with the stretcher. And so they climbed up on the roof and they cut a hole into the roof and there they lowered the man down to Jesus. Just think of that. And what did they expect Jesus to do? What did they want Jesus to do? Well, to, to heal him. But look at what Jesus does. First thing he says, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. This wasn't even on the radar. Forgiveness? They didn't come for this. They didn't come for forgiveness. They came for healing. Jesus never follows expectations. But Jesus knows the real problem in the paralyzed man, just as he knows the real problem in each one of us. You know, we might come here today with different needs, different expectations. We want God to, to fix our relationships, to heal an illness, to calm a fear, to cast away an anxiety or depression, um, to help us move on from the loss of a loved one. Or maybe it's that we're having trouble just making it. We, we need God's help. We, uh, we, we need more, more food. We, we need more sleep. We need more help. We, we need more time. We need more energy. These are all things that, that we should want and we should go to Jesus for. But Jesus goes to the heart. There's something ironic about the healing the, the men want. Once the man is able to walk again, now he's going to have to work. Right? Of course, that's not a bad thing. We grumble and complain all the time about the work that we have to do, our work, and, and, and maybe we even pray that we didn't have to do it. But at the end of the day, we, even, we recognize that there's something naturally good about working. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, even before the fall into sin, had to work. God commanded them with the charge to take care of the garden. But their work was good. It was done in freedom. And so this is something that God has established in his order of creation. He has created us to use our bodies for the good of others. And this applies to more than just work, even uh, recreation. Uh, It's ironic, what we call recreation isn't really uh, recreation. That's only something God can do. It's ironic that most of our leisure time is, is spent exerting a huge amount of effort, right? Uh, endless uh, sports practices, endless workouts, even yoga is not resting. It's not leisure. And so when Jesus heals the man's body, it's actually law. He's, he's giving the man's body a command to go do something. He needs to get up, go home, and do good. But before he can do that, Before he can go do good or or do work, he needs to receive. He needs forgiveness. He needs the gospel. 
The proclamation of forgiveness is what allows our bodies to actually do what God intended them to do. Just as it would be foolish to work out uh, on an empty stomach, so too our physical bodies, even our physical bodies, need food or nourishment of forgiveness. Think of, the, of forgiveness as the food that allowed this man's body to heal and actually do the work it was intended to do. Jesus cures the ailments underlying every condition, underlying every problem. He forgives sin. And this is a healing that will last. This forgiveness of sins is eternal. You know, it, it could be that the man, in, uh, in about 30 years or so, his body will again start to break down. He'll, he'll get old, succumb to old age, and maybe he's not going to be able to walk again. His body will just break down. And certainly, at some point sooner or later, the man's body will be laid in the grave. And he's certainly not walking now. But Jesus gives him something that will never break down or never go away, the forgiveness of sins. The atheist uh, Christopher Hitchens uh, famously asked, if, if God could heal all diseases, why didn't he? If God could, 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 could defeat death, why didn't he defeat death for everybody? You know, but, but his question is a lot like uh, when, when my son asked me, why, why can't we have breakfast, uh, why can't we have ice cream for breakfast? Well, you could, but there's something better. And the answer to, to his questions is right here. God sees the bigger picture, what's better. And actually, he, he is healing all diseases. <clears throat> he is defeating death for everybody, not just momentarily, so that we can work and enjoy the world and, and, and idolize how great our bodies are and, and all the things that they can do uh, and so that 30 years down the road, they begin to break down again. But so that we find our rest in him. And this brings us to the main point in this account, something that we really take for granted. How does this man receive this forgiveness? Through Jesus. As a man, right in front of him, speaking to him. You know, it's as obvious as knowing our, our food comes from farmers but never bothering to think about it. I, I've yet to meet a farmer who, who doesn't feel the world takes them for granted. It's important that we know where our food comes from, and even more so, to understand where our life comes from. Forgiveness doesn't just exist uh, in the ether or in the abstract. It's not just in the air. It doesn't just magically uh, come to you. God uses means. And he uses means of simple human speech through words which he has entrusted to every single Christian. The church possesses, you possess, what, what we call the office of the keys, uh, the power to forgive uh, and retain sins. And the church, by the instruction of Jesus, then calls ministers or pastors to do this work publicly. Some in the crowd and the Pharisees become angry that Jesus actually does this. They, they don't want Jesus to forgive the man's sins. They don't want this authority to exist on earth. Because it means bad people can be forgiven. It, it, it means sinners can have forgiveness. It, it means people who didn't work for it can get it. 
It, it means God helps those who don't, helps people who don't help themselves. It means people who, who they look down on are, are called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And this threatens them because it means they can't earn it. They're not right. They're not earning their forgiveness by their good and pious living. They're upset because something they want to earn because they're good enough is promised by Jesus to people who aren't. What's with this lowly paralyzed man? He must have done something terrible. No, forgiveness is not earned, but given as a free And that forgiveness comes freely simply through words preached or proclaimed. It's so obvious and yet so taken for granted and so, so unbelievable for sinners who who feel the weight of their sin. This is difficult to believe that forgiveness comes so easily. We want to hold on to, to that guilt and that sin. We want it to be more difficult. We want someone to say to us, uh, well, we'll do 10 prayers a day, fast twice a week, do 20 good works a day, and you'll feel better. But Jesus says, he who hears you, hears me. And then says through ministers, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's it. Jesus knows how difficult it is for us, too. So he says, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or, or, or to say get up and walk? Well, neither one. They're both impossible. Yet with God, nothing is impossible. And so he says that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralyzed man, get up, take up your stretcher, and go home. The healing, the recreation of this man's body is proof that complete and free forgiveness is real, simply by words spoken. And just to make this point even clearer, listen to Matthew's record of the reaction of the crowd. Matthew writes, by inspiration from God, he says, When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. In the Lutheran Church, we continue to do something called private confession and absolution. Maybe you've never done it. Maybe you think that's a Catholic thing. Uh, Maybe you're ashamed to do it. But really, all it is, is simply me pronouncing to you the forgiveness, the absolution of your sins in private. And the ones that that belong to you, the sins that belong to you, not just the sins of of people in general, but, but actually your sins, the ones that belong to you, those sins are truly forgiven. And so if there's some sin that's bothering you and you want help to amend your sinful life, this is why it's so valuable. This is why we do it. You know, to hear it here at church is one thing, and it's real. But sometimes you need a little bit more encouragement, a little bit more proof. And so on the basis of Scripture, that's what I do. And, and maybe without even realizing it, maybe you've, you've even made use of this, even if we haven't called it that. As a pastor, I've had countless people come to me with a problem uh, or a burden or a sickness or a worry or a fear or sin. And I don't know how many times I've heard this. Pastor, I, I just don't want to burden you. 
And usually I respond with something I got from St. Augustine. I say, lift up your hearts. Lift up your hearts. This phrase that you hear every Sunday in our liturgy is based on Jesus' words to the paralyzed man. Take heart. And it sums up my job, my vocation as pastor. I'm not an event planner. I'm not a producer of worship. I'm not a community builder. I'm not a therapist or life coach. I have one call, one charge, to lift up your hearts by proclaiming the gospel, the forgiveness of your sins. And there's nothing that you could say that will burden me. In fact, the only thing that will burden me is if you don't come. Seriously, pastors have a lot in common with mothers whose kids go off to college. Uh, if you don't call home for a while, your mom begins to worry. And then when you finally do call home, and the first thing you say is, Mom, don't worry. Usually that means what? Mom can worry, right? Except in my case, there is nothing that you can do that would cause me to turn you away. And there is no sin too evil that is not forgiven by God and therefore me. But like a mother, I do worry when you're not here for a while because I know that you live in the same world that I do. I know you have burdens. I know you sin. I know you struggle with sin. I know you suffer the consequences of your sin. And I know you feel the guilt of your sin. Because I do too. And I know how deadly that is. And how harmful it is for your body. But I also know that here is the solution. Forgiveness doesn't just come to you abstractly. It doesn't come to you through earning it. It comes freely through words. Every Sunday, you hear proclaimed another angle of this amazing forgiveness through the life and death of Jesus. And then not only does this forgiveness go into your ears, but into your very body. I get to place into your hands and into your mouth the very body and blood of Jesus for the remission of all your sins. And this forgiveness doesn't just take away your sins. It makes you new. It recreates your body. It makes a new man rise, as St. Paul said. It allows a new person to rise from the dead. And think of the, the first thing Jesus did when he rose from the dead. He went to his disciples, showed them his hands and feet, which, by the way, were, were still uh, not healed, and he proclaims a complete forgiveness, a complete healing to them. He says, peace be with you. And then he tells them to go forgive sins. God has given the church the one tool that can free you from the burdens that, and, and can literally recreate your body. It is free and absolute, which is why we call it holy absolution. And imagine if everyone knew that, they, that this was the answer to literally every problem, and, and all they had to do was hear and believe it. Can you imagine the line of people trying to get in? Uh, how many stretchers are we trying to get into our doors? Uh, if only you had to cut a hole in this roof to get in here. This is the gate to heaven. Thankfully for you, it is not that difficult. This forgiveness is here every Sunday, and more than just Sunday, Thursdays, and available individually. And you can even sign up online 
give me a text or a call, and I'd be happy, joyous to do this. If you have some impossible burden or problem or sin, come receive something equally impossible. Believe and you will receive the forgiveness of all your sins. And that forgiveness is the healing of your body. It is healing that will last. As our catechism states, wherever there is forgiveness of sins, there is life and salvation. Eventually, after your corrupted body fails completely, it will be raised incorruptible. As St. Paul writes, then your perishable body will put on imperishability, and your mortal body will put on immortality. Praise be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This good news, this gospel, is the proclamation of victory, and it's the most freeing thing in all the world. It allows you to actually get up, to take up your stretcher, and to go home, to begin to live free from the burdens and cares that would otherwise hold you down. To live a life in service to your neighbor, even if it means work under the law, even if it means the struggle uh, of taking care of others, even if it means going back to the daily grind or the trouble of the ordinary, still you are free. Because you're not living to earn anything, but living having received everything. You can pick up your stretcher because your heart has been lifted up. So take heart. Your sins are forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.